of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let us bow our heads in prayer and thanksgiving. Our merciful Heavenly Father, again this afternoon of grace, we desire to gather in the only name under heaven whereby anyone can be saved, the wonderful name of thy only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Fathers, we come here under the hearing of your word. We ask that you would prepare all of our hearts to receive this living bread which has come down from heaven and that same living bread that desires to reveal himself even unto us again this day by faith. Father, we ask that you would grant utterance to those that stand in this pulpit here to proclaim thy gospel. And Father, that all said and done here this afternoon would be unto thy honor and glory and that it would be unto the edification, the uplifting, and the nourishment of our undying souls. Father, we desire also to remember all the mission efforts that are going out throughout your world. We pray that you would be, even this day, with those missionaries as they labor in those lands. May your word and spirit be a comfort unto them, even this very moment as we are here. Father, may, even as we are under the hearing of your word today, how we ask of you that the preciousness of your gospel and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for our souls, how that would be impressed upon us through the speaking of your word. For, Father, we know that we have received a far, far greater blessing that we can't even imagine. But this afternoon hour, Father, through this word, we would ask of you that in your grace, mercy, and your peace, and your love for our undying souls, that you would... Show us again of your favor and show us again of why you came down here and to pay that price which none of us could ever pay that you sacrificed your only begotten son, that spotless lamb of God without blemish, simply out of love for our undying souls. So Father, we then join together in that prayer that Jesus himself taught us when he said in this way that our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's turn to song number 363, Onward Christian Soldiers, and we have uh, Brother Ray Curdy to bring the word to us.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit abide with you and I today and always. Amen. <clears throat> we have assembled this day to consider something that is the most important thing of all in this life and that is our soul's salvation. Because God the Heavenly Father who has made us he has made us with a body and a soul. We read in the book of creation that when God had formed Adam <clears throat> he breathed into his nostrils and he became a living soul. All the rest of God's creation, animals and birds and all that he made, did not have a soul within them. But uh, because of the fall of the first parents into sin, disobedience to God's will, they were driven out of the garden. They were made to till the ground that from the sweat of man's brow he must eat his bread. Before that they all, all, all they had to do was dress the garden. They, were, they didn't have any strenuous work to do. And they were in their innocence. But that all was lost because of the fall. But God in his wisdom already promised unto them and to us a Savior. The seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head. Jesus Christ was the seed of the woman. He was born in God's plan in the time when God had seen fit to bring him into the world. To restore mankind again into that perfect innocent relationship that Adam and Eve had before the fall. As we are assembled here today, we want to study from God's Word. And as we are who have preached the Word for even many years, we have to come here altogether empty of ourselves. The Bible was written by inspiration of God. Holy men spoke as they were moved by God's Spirit, and they wrote it also through the inspiration of the Spirit of God. And may the Heavenly Father open something to us today from His precious Word. I'm going to read this afternoon from the book of the Acts, <clears throat> from the 26th chapter. I'm going to begin at the 19th verse, and I'll read the rest of that chapter in Jesus' name. <clears throat> Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus and Jerusalem and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about 
to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, <clears throat> witnessing both the small and great, saying none other than those than, than these which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the Gentiles, unto the people and unto the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but seek forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before whom I speak. Freely, for I am, uh, I am uh, for things are not hidden from him, for this was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believeth thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, thou, but also all that hear me this day, were both almost and altogether, such as I am, except these bonds. And when he had said, spoken thus, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they were gone aside, they talked between themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Amen. <clears throat> The Apostle Paul was never, we might say, an unbeliever. He was believing in God. But he had been led astray with this understanding that the sect of the Nazarene, the followers of Jesus, had to be destroyed. Had he done all in his power that they might be wiped off the face of the earth until God took hold of him. He made of him an, an apostle and a powerful preacher to bring the message of salvation and hope unto Gentile people especially. When he was stricken with blindness on the road to Damascus and he was and he was struck blind there on that road and he heard a voice from heaven above the Lord himself spake unto him thou persecutest thou me and he had he was struck with blindness and he could not see and he was led into the city early part of this chapter speaks thus of him and Jesus whom thou persecutest but rise and stand upon thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for the purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of those things which thou hast seen of those things which I shall which shall appear unto thee 
delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness into light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. This is what the Lord proclaimed to him. And we know that they, there was a servant of the Lord named Ananias was sent then to visit Apostle Paul. And he laid his hands on him and told him, The Lord whom thou met in the way has sent me, that thou might receive thy sight, and that thou might be blessed. And Ananias laid his hands on him and received his sight. And the scripture says that there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he was able to see again. But something else happened within the apostle. He also received his spiritual sight. And he found that his sins had been forgiven. And he began to preach the Lord Jesus Christ. But he was told him also that he would appear before kings and unto rulers. And on the occasion here that we have read today, he appeared unto kings and unto rulers. The Apostle Paul was an educated man. He was learned in several languages. And he could appear as an equal even among kings and among rulers. But our text goes on to say here, as he speaks unto King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them at Damascus and Jerusalem, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for repentance. Those were the same words that Jesus himself spoke when he began his ministry. He said, The kingdom of God has not come nigh unto you. Repent and believe the gospel. What does the word repent mean? It means that a person comes to the knowledge that he is a sinner and that he is lost and that he should acknowledge his sinfulness And in the doctrine that Jesus left here on earth, of which he spoke that he he was sent from heaven by him, by, by, by the Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Even before he was born, before he was conceived, the angel Gabriel came unto the Virgin Mary and said, The holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Jesus was born to a virgin and we do believe in a virgin birth. And he, throughout his life that he lived before he began his ministry, he was obedient unto his parents On one occasion, as you have read in the scripture, his parents went to Jerusalem together with him to worship. 
He remembered that he was left behind. And they thought that he had, he was somewhere in the party as they traveled together. And they, after three days, they missed him. And they went back to Jerusalem searching for him. They found him among the elders, talking with them, asking questions, and they marveled at that wisdom that he had. And his father and mother told him that wished he not that we have searched thee for three days. And Jesus said, Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. Jesus realized already then that the father's business had been entrusted to him. The business of saving souls, preaching repentance as he did, and he telling that men are to repent, acknowledge their sins, and receive pardon and forgiveness for them, and receive the Spirit of God to guide them, preserve them throughout their earthly life. So here the Apostle Paul had a good opportunity <clears throat> to witness unto rulers that are, that are in this world. They said they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For this cause the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. I sometimes wondered that why why did they have such a wrath unto not only Apostle Paul but also the other servants of the Lord. The histories of the church tell us that as Jesus chose twelve disciples, all of them received a martyr's death. They died a violent death because they witnessed for the Lord. All except John. John was, they even tried to take his life. Uh, church histories tell us that John the Evangelist was cast into a boiling kettle of oil they did not take his life from him. And then he was finally banished to the Isle of Patmos where he had the revelation as he has written it as it is in our Bibles. Various things there foretell of the things of the future. Sometimes perhaps difficult to understand and some people have made various interpretations of them and we don't know if they are correct or not. But nevertheless, John did see those people that were saved through Christ Jesus. He saw a great throng there, and it was told him that they had their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. There is no other cleansing from sin except the blood of Jesus Christ proclaimed in the gospel. I am sure that there are many in this building today who can witness with me that when we were able to hear our sins forgiven, the gospel proclaimed to us, when we believed it, the burdens were taken off our heart. 
about the time when I, God gave me the grace to repent, I was still a young man, only 21 years of age. The elders told us when we had repented that if there are some things in our lives that need correcting or put away, to be put away, that we should confide to somebody and confess our sins and bring them to the light so that we would not be hindered in believing. And even today, I would want to say unto you, brothers and sisters, that even though our church does not teach a compulsory confession, it has been taught in times past that when our hearts are burdened and troubled, we can choose someone, doesn't have to be a pastor, some close friend unto whom we can confide and confess our faults. As the Apostle says that we should lay aside every weight and sin which does so easily beset us. How blessed it is that we can, brothers and sisters, between husband and wife and between other family members, when we feel that we have offended another one, we have done something that was not exactly right. How blessed it is that we can admit our fault and say, I am sorry, I want to have that forgiven. We do have to say honestly that the blood of Jesus Christ washes our mistakes and sins away, which we are able to proclaim one to another I do believe exactly as Luther did that each one of us who are believing in the Lord Jesus Christ we are a part of that holy priesthood. Not only the ones who preach from the pulpit but even your wife or your husband or your children. I remember in Finland we have been there twice. We attended some of the services where they had a communion service. We saw the children going to the parents, the parents to the children, receiving a blessing, blessing one another with the forgiveness of their sins before they went to the Lord's table. And I saw some cases too where the fathers and mothers went to the Lord's table with small children with them the children did not partake of the Lord's Supper, but the minister usually put his hand on the child's head and blessed them. It was really nice to behold. But the blood of Jesus Christ washes sins away. Even today, Jesus Christ is the mercy seat in this house today. If there is a troubled and burdened soul, somebody who feels that their ways are not right in the sight of God, you don't have to depart with those burdens on your conscience. Make known the needs and desire of your heart and the children of God can bless you with that heavenly blessing. Thy sins are forgiven you in the name of Jesus and in his precious atoning shed blood. Paul continues here 
Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other than those things which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should bring forth light unto the people and to the Gentiles. We do know that Jesus began his ministry among the Jews, first of all, when he sent his disciples after he had chosen them, he sent them out unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He told them, go not into the ways of the Gentiles, go not unto Samaria. That, was, that message was only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, unto the Jews. But we know that the majority of the Jewish nation rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore the Lord rejected them also. When the people wept over Jesus when he was carrying the cross, he said, don't weep over me, but weep over yourselves and of your children. He knew the calamity that would take place because the visitation of God had been rejected by them. And God broke up that society of the Jewish nation and the city of Jerusalem was destroyed and many were, were sold as slaves into different countries. But church history, history tells us that the Christians had an opportunity to escape the destruction of Jerusalem. There must have been quite a few, must have been a large congregation. You remember on the day of Pentecost when the Apostle Peter, through the power of the Spirit, began to preach. Jesus had told him earlier that he was a fisherman by profession. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Peter had a very successful message unto the people, unto the Jewish nation, and they began to ask men and brethren, what must we do? He was told that they were to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and then they received the baptism of repentance also. They were baptized, and about 3,000 souls were converted on that day, which we call the day of Pentecost, and in the book of the Acts we read that God added daily such as should be saved. So it must have been a sizable congregation, but God led them forth out of the city. Church history tells us that they crossed the river Jordan. They went to a city named Bella on the other side of Jordan. They escaped the conflagration that destroyed that city. And that was the reason because they did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They rejected the Lord of life and they wanted him destroyed and they nailed him to the cross. But he died there and rose again for mine and your justification. He has borne our sins. He carried them all to the cross and he buried them in a grave. 
He did not rise with the sins of men upon him. They were left behind. He suffered and died for your sins and for mine. And he appeared for a time on earth here for about a period of about 40 days. And he was, and witnessed, many witnesses saw him. And then he departed again unto heaven. And he told his own disciples that they were to abide in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high, which took place ten days after his ascension, that day of Pentecost came to them. And the Spirit of God was poured out upon all the apostles. And from that day and forward, as you have read in your Bibles, they weren't afraid any longer to confess the name of Jesus. They went forth gladly, and they suffered. And I, as I mentioned, that all of them were mar- martyred except John. But our text continues. And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. They thought that the apostle was out of his mind. He wasn't rational any longer. But uh, Paul had the power of the Spirit upon him, and this they could not understand. But But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. Paul acknowledged that that thing, the happenings of that had taken place in Jerusalem and in Palestine were not hidden even from the rulers. Many of them had come to know of Jesus of Nazareth, a man prophet, prophet a powerful prophet in word and deed, And even as those on the road to Damascus had said that now they had taken him from them, he had suffered, he had died. He had given his life, and they were dejected. At that time, they did not have a living hope in Christ Jesus. And when the hope of an earthly king was taken from them also, they were truly dejected. They thought that he was the one who was to, to redeem Israel, and they were, he was to become a ruler, and they would be subject, uh, uh, subject unto him. And even some maybe have some high positions in his kingdom. But Jesus' kingdom was not of this world. His, his kingdom begins here. When we believe in him, it continues beyond this life. Death does not sever that relationship that we have with our God. Death only removes man from this life, takes away from him that physical part that has to be left behind, and releases that spirit that God has put within you and I. Then Paul continues and says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Isn't that something that he had an opportunity to speak unto a ruler and unto a king? And Grippa said unto Paul, 
almost have persuaded me to be a Christian. It isn't enough to be almost a Christian. It has to be altogether that we are Christians. If there's someone in this house today who is almost a Christian, knows what is right and what is wrong, may the Heavenly Father grant to you that you can become also altogether a Christian and a believer. If there are sins that have been committed, they can be pardoned and forgiven. Sometimes they need to be confessed and put away. Like James writes unto us in his writing, Confess your faults one to another and pray for, pray for one another that you may be healed. It is a great blessing that we have within our church that we don't have to carry those burdens on our conscience. We can put them away. <clears throat> the elder ministers, as I remember, even from my youth, especially they, they spoke especially on Communion Sunday when they served the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They told their congregations that if there's something between the members, something that isn't just right, it is blessed that you go and make those things right. And the blood of Jesus Christ can wash them away. That was sound teaching, and that was teaching that is co uh, coincidental with the Word of God, that people can have the peace of a good conscience and retain uh, faith in a good conscience while they journey here toward their eternal homeland. So Paul told Agrippa that, that the, he hoped that they would be altogether like he is and not almost a Christian. I, don't, I haven't seen any record here in, in the book of the Acts that Agrippa ever became a Christian, that he ever repented. Pretty hard to a, for a person in a high earthly position to humble himself and join himself with the lowly people of God. The children of God are not always held in high esteem by the wise of this world. They are often ridiculed by them and they are, have not, do not have much value in their sight. But the Heavenly Father has in his wisdom so ordained it that the, the meek and lowly of the world are the ones that accept him. And he would invite all mankind, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, Jesus himself said. And the word of God does put people into a tight situation sometime, reminding them that they are lost in that state. As, as the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, Epistle in the second chapter said, that you were dead in trespasses and sins. A spiritual death has taken place where sin has become the ruler in men's hearts and lives. But Jesus Christ is a stronger one. He is a strong man. He can come into those hearts and he can cleanse them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the gospel of forgiveness. You remember reading in your New Testament that often when those with physical ailments came into the presence of Jesus, 
some even unable to walk, and they were carried into the presence of the Lord. In many instances he told them, Thy sins are forgiven thee. He healed the whole person, body and soul. And we know that physical health, when it begins to fail, we see what great value it is in our lives. But spiritual health is even more important because it carries us beyond this life. The spiritual health, the relation to relationship to our God which has been marred by sin can be corrected in this life already. That those who find themselves under God's word and indicted by it find themselves admitting that I am a sinner, I am lost in the state. There is hope for you, precious friend, if there is such a one in, in this house today. Someone whose relationship is not yet as it should be. The Lord Jesus Christ, as I mentioned already, is a mercy seat in this house today. This is a schoolhouse where they educate young people that they might learn the ways of this world. And they might find an education so they can make a living in this world. But it can be used, even as we are using it today, for the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you, brothers and sisters who are believing, you are indeed blessed. I I don't believe that there is a higher status that you can find in this world than to be a child of God. You won't find a higher position. Isn't the God of the universe the most mighty and powerful God who has made this earth out of nothing. Just recently there in in our locality in in Sherwood, we we have been studying from the book of creation and how we have gotten quite a bit out of it too, even though we have read it before. How the Heavenly Father made this earth and everything in it out of nothing. For, the, for our mind to grasp this, it is difficult indeed. But uh, as the Hebrew epistle writer says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, and things which are seen were not made of things which appear. We let it go at that, and we want to believe what the word of God tells us. This world is a wonderful place, and we see evidence of his creation each day in the things that grow, the trees and the flowers and all that he has made. It is wonderful. And the Finnish people have a saying of man that he is the crown of God's creation, the very peak and the pinnacle of it, the most important of of the things that God created. He gave him the honor that he was made in his likeness. And the Heavenly Father has blessed you and I, brother and sister. Many of us have been brought up in Christian homes. We have been taught the principles of the Bible. But many of us, like myself, had departed from it. Nevertheless, the seed that was planted there 
what a reminder that things were not right with us. And in the process of time, then God has called many of us out of darkness and has shown to us that that church, our fathers and mothers worshipped in, was a true church. That church where the gospel is preached unto the penitent. And we are taught to live the Christian life then, after the Lord has come into our hearts and washed our sins away. We have shown, been shown the better way. I have sometimes been reminded of this Christian family. I think it was in Minnesota. And when the boys were growing up, they, uh, the world pulled them a little in its direction. And their mother used to tell them that there is a better way. And the boys have found a better way. Have you found it, precious friend, you young, young people? There are many here today. Have you found it? Not the way of the world, but the way that God wants you to live and walk and to serve him. Not with a divided heart, that part of your heart is out in the world, in the doings of this world, whatever it might be that attracts you. And it does attract mankind. But if you give your heart and soul to the Lord, he can wash your sins away and he can give you a new incentive into your life. He can show you the treasures that are are so vast that they cannot be all account, counted out. The many blessings that he give us. Count your blessings, as the songwriter says, name them one by one. We have received many blessings, brothers and sisters who are believers. Maybe it isn't in the riches and in the honor that the world seeks after. They are going to pass away anyway but the riches that you have by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is an imperishable rich, richness and treasure that you carry even in these earthen vessels. So the Apostle Paul had an opportunity to witness between up to rulers and then Paul said, I would to God that not only thou but also all that hear me this day were almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. Apostle Paul's hope was that they would be like him. Even though he was bound, bound, I think he was bound with chains when he says here, except these bonds. But Apostle Paul's soul was not bound. His soul was free and he was free to preach the gospel unto those, even the rulers of this world. And it seems like here that the word that he spoke even touched them. When he had thus spoken, the king rose up, and the governor, and Bernice, and they that sat with them. And when they had gone aside, they talked within themselves, saying, This man doeth nothing worthy of death or of bonds. Then said Agrippa unto Festus, This man might have been set at liberty, if he had not appealed unto Caesar. Nevertheless, as the apostle Paul had appealed unto Caesar, he was sent unto Rome. 
But I do believe that he had many opportunities there. He was not he was not in a prison cell by himself, but he was in a house at one time. And he was able to preach the gospel and preach the word of God unto others. And there were probably many that came to hear, and probably many were converted. There was a congregation that sprung up in Rome, unto whom Ro Apostle has written that long letter. That's a wonderful letter. And uh, we, have, we have Luther's commentary on the book of Romans, which is really an interesting book to read. Interesting writing. But the, the Heavenly Father's will and desire is that even in these latter days in which we live, isn't it remarkable that in the Apostle, Apostle Paul in that Hebrew epistle says, in his last days he had spoken unto us by his Son. How much closer are we truly to the last days of the existence of this world even? When in the beginning of the New Testament they said they already called it the last days then. But I believe it is the last period of time that this world is going to exist. And may the Heavenly Father keep us, you and I, neath the shelter of His almighty wings. May He give you and I the grace to, to walk here and to travel here and journey. Trusting in that same Lord who has saved us and whose blood has washed us from our sins. May he bless you, brother and sister, each one of you. May he bless you, young people, too. There are many here today. Continue in that faith which your father and mother have instilled within you and in which you are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his saving grace. May he grant you a successful journey. Each one of you. Brothers and sisters, as you return to your homes, this world is vanishing. It's going to vanish away, even physically. But the world and its evil is increasing also, as we see all around us. May he bless you, brothers and sisters, and remember us also, who preach the word that God would give us grace yet to. Speak a little while, a little longer. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.